You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 972 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. So long-time listeners of the podcast will definitely know that I don't often do full-blown game preview episodes. Usually, I touch on some top-line stuff for sure before games start and dive in for recaps after that. But this time, there's a pretty intriguing game. On Thursday, it's a national TV game, for one. Um, and I, honestly, it's probably about as big of a game as the Hawks have had on paper for quite some time. The Hawks play the Bucks on Thursday on TNT. It's at home. Atlanta's trying to chase down Milwaukee in the standings after they've been so hot recently. That's a pretty tall task for the Hawks. They're still trailing the Bucks by a few games in the standings, so maybe that's more of a lofty goal. But at bare minimum, this is a showdown of playoff caliber teams. The Bucks are really good. And also, again, national TV, so more eyeballs than usual on this one. So with that said, Glenn Wolf Speechers will be joining me in a moment to talk about this game and some other Hawks, broadly speaking, kind of content. So Glenn is awesome, and that's a fun conversation. But first, some nuts and bolts from the game on Thursday. The Hawks have won seven out of their last eight, of course. They're 16-5 and five in their last 21 games, but at the same time, they have not beaten a team as good as the Bucs at any point during that run. Now, the Bucs are a top 5-16 in the league, so that's obviously pretty lofty, but this is a different kind of challenge and a different kind of test on paper for the Hawks, even at home, so that's pretty interesting to circle that. And to sort of back that up, Atlanta's lost 11 of the previous 12 to Milwaukee. Granted, a lot of those were pretty bad Hawks teams. But the Bucs have been really good against kind of um, what the Hawks want to do in, re- in the recent past. Um, they lost by 14 to the Bucs earlier this, earlier this year. Um, different rosters in that game for sure. And what are they going to be available on Thursday? But that was the first pivot point from uh, sort of data point between those, these two teams. Um, I want to do, I do want to point out the, the one game the Hawks actually won in that 12 game stretch. So the Hawks have won 11. Their one win was in 2019. And I want to just pass along because it's kind of funny. Uh, there was no Middleton, Giannis, or Bledsoe in that game, a uh, former Buck, Eric Bledsoe, in 2019. But the Hawks trailed by as many as 23 points. That was the game in which Trey Young beat the buzzer on that very weird like deflection tip-in play where he caught it in the air and finished at the buzzer. It was a pretty memorable scene. I, I remember that game very well, but that was uh, the last time the Hawks beat the Bucks, and just kind of an interesting um, throwback to that point in time. But the Hawks have been good this year when they have a rest advantage. Um, the Bucks played on Wednesday afternoon in Minnesota. And the Hawks are 27-18 and 18 this year when they're either advantaged by the rest situation or even or dead even. So they're actually 3-7 and seven when they have a rest disadvantage, which for people that always ask why I bring that up, that's one of the reasons. Like teams just generally perform better when they have more rest. And the Hawks are a good example of that. Um, injury-wise in this game, there's a lot of uncertainty as of Wednesday evening. It's going to stay that way until at least probably Thursday afternoon. For the Hawks, Trey Young and Danilo Gallinari are both listed as questionable. That was probably always going to be the case because the Hawks did not practice at all today. So usually they will default for guys who are uncertain to questionable the day before. And we'll see what happens there. Both guys have been missing the last couple of games. Um, but the Hawks are still going to be without Tony Snell. The Hawks ruled him out initially on the road trip, but he is still out as of Thursday. And then Collins, Hunter, Reddish, and Dunn are still out as well. So at a bare minimum, the Hawks will be down five guys. Could be as many as seven and, and that's obviously not ideal for what they want to do here. 
the Bucks because they played today. We don't really know what's, what's going to happen on, on their injury side either. I will point this out. Giannis Antetokounmpo has missed the last six games in a row. He was questionable, though, on Wednesday. Ended up not playing. But it seems, just logically, I'm not reporting this, but logically, if he was questionable and they considered playing him today, it could have been a decision where you you, you don't want to play him on a back-to-back, but the Hawks were, sorry, the Bucks were playing a pretty bad Wolves team today on the road. You might want to give him another day off and then have him play against a pretty good Hawks team on the road against, uh, also on national TV. So I'm not saying Giannis is going to play, but he, you know, he certainly could based on the um, the uptick to questionable before uh, before Wednesday's game and all that stuff. So we'll see what happens there. The rest of the injury report is pretty clean for Milwaukee as of Wednesday. But again, guys could be added. It's a back-to-back. There's always uncertainty there. One thing to point out here on Giannis, who Glenn and I talked about in a second as well, but just for the numbers, the Bucks are plus 10.8 points per 100 possessions this season. So their net rating is plus 10.8 with Giannis on the floor. It's only plus 1.0 when he's off the court. So they are a night and day different team with Giannis on the court. They're basically uber elite when he plays and they are not very good. Well, I mean, they're just kind of mediocre. They're middling. They obviously won by a lot today. Um, again, I guess a pretty bad Minnesota team that's playing without Carl Anthony Towns. So that was kind of a, uh, you know, cross off situation, but in general, the Bucks are like kind of mediocre to middling. If Giannis misses the game, if he, if he plays though, they are pretty scary good. And that's kind of where we are on that. At this point in time, our friends at BattleLine.ag have not listed the line on this one yet because of all the uncertainty with, uh, you know, Trey up in the air, Giannis up in the air. That's going to be, uh, we'll wait until Thursday to hear that. But as I get into it with Glenn in a second, I'd be surprised if the Hawks were favored in this game unless Giannis doesn't play. That's kind of the only way I can see that happening. And even then, the Hawks probably need Trey to play and Giannis not to play in order to be favored. So we'll get into that later on. But that's sort of the uh, the nuts and bolts breakdown here. Lots of intrigue, though, and Glenn and I will talk about all of that in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast, and the first of which is rockauto.com. One key reason to repair and maintain your own car is to save money. You can use for other important things like paying the mortgage or paying for food or whatever else you want to use it for. And honestly, why would you want to pay more money for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you instead can use rockauto.com? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver. Get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always low and they're always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. When you get there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com I am joined now by good friend of the podcast, Peachtree Hoops' own Glenn Willis. Hello, sir. How you doing, Brad? I'm well. Uh, interesting week of Hawks basketball. And as I said before I brought you in, this is... You could argue, I'm not going to say I'm definitely arguing this, but you could argue this is the biggest game for the Hawks in a long time, if you wanted to. You could. Um, they maybe made it a little less urgent to win it with their string of wins. Yes. But I was. I think this is going to be their hardest game of the year. I, I was trying to go back to their schedule and figure that out. Um, like, when might have there been another game? Like, the Denver game, the last Denver game was hard. 
And to me, Denver just looked like they were tired of dealing with the Hawks. <laughs> and we're like, we're gonna we're not putting up with you in this game. But I mean, like LeBron didn't play the last Lakers game, you know, Philly had a mash. So I couldn't really find one in the cross the schedule this year that jumped out as one that looks as hard as this one does to me. So this this might be their toughest game they've played this year, maybe. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're recording this Wednesday night. If Giannis doesn't play, that changes everything. Because Giannis is Giannis is that good, um, and he missed tonight. He's missed the last handful of games in a row. So uh, we'll, we'll couch that now, and we'll just kind of talk around that. But uh, he may not play. That's definitely possible. And their injury report is not due until Thursday, so we're not going to know. Um, <laughs> and they might not care. <laughs> yeah, it's a back to back. They they won by a lot tonight, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, regardless, though, I, I just think the combination of the fact that I know Hawks fans that I've heard from in the last few days are excited about maybe even making a run at the three C where the bucks currently are. Uh, also just the fact this is on TNT, like, which is a rarity for the last several years for the Hawks playing on national TV. Uh, you could argue certainly like, like you just did, like the impact of it may not be as high, but I think there's some real buzz. Like I, I never do preview episodes and we're doing one. So that tells you a little bit about this, but I guess before we dive in, I want to dive in with you on both sides of the ball at some point, but is that just kind of the top line thought? Like, you know, this Bucks team is really good, is I think is a way to put it out there. They've had some inconsistencies this season, but again, provided Giannis plays, they're basically like a borderline elite team on both ends of the floor, and that, that kind of team is hard to deal with even at home, and especially with what all the Hawks' uh, weaknesses that they have, uh, I guess, roster-wise right now. Yeah, and, and to me, this is... Um... You know, it, I don't know what emotion it evokes for everyone, but this is an important measuring stick because the Hawks have been winning a lot of games, but it hasn't been the toughest schedule. They haven't had teams that have been um, kind of fully rostered, and, and the Hawks haven't either, to be fair. And so, you know, whether Giannis plays or not, I think it'll be a measuring stick of sorts. And if he plays, it'll be a, a, a more pronounced, I think, measuring stick. And Maybe from a fan perspective, just them playing well on TNT against a team like the Bucks is important from kind of an emotional investment standpoint that, that they just look like they're primed to compete in games like this. So there, there's a lot of different ways to look at this game, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I guess we'll, we'll get granular because that's what, we, that's what you and I do. Uh, let's start on the Hawks defensive side of the floor, which is probably the, the least sexy of the two. Um, but I think important in this spot, especially because the Hawks have some matchup question marks, we'll say with their current roster without guys like Hunter and without Snell and Reddish and Collins and those guys to play defense. Um, the Bucks are really good offensively. They take a lot of threes. They make a lot of threes. They're really efficient. They offensive rebound very well. Uh, they're one real question mark offensively seems to be that they don't create a lot of free throw attempts outside of Giannis. Um, that's one thing. But other than that, they're uh, pretty balanced and effective. And the Hawks have been defending quite well recently, to their credit. But, uh, you know, who guards Chris Middleton in this matchup is a question mark that I have. Uh, same with Giannis, of course. So what are you looking for defensively for the Hawks here? Yeah, not to be repetitive, but I think it, it all starts with Capella and rim protection. Um, I think the Bucks are like top three on in percentage shooting percentage inside the uh, restricted area, even though they're not, they don't generate a ton of volume there, but I mean, bud, um, as we, you know, those of us who've been watching the Hawks for more than 
two and a half years. No, uh, he likes his teams to kind of prioritize getting into the paint, attacking the rim, whether that generates a good shot there or on the perimeter. So I think the most supported thing defensively is to keep Capella out of foul trouble. If he gets into foul trouble, it gets real, really, really tough real fast. So that's the, that's the biggest thing. And I, I think some fans might think, Oh, he just needs to be disciplined. No, they, they need to be really solid at the point of attack, as solid as they can be. And you've got to prevent ball handlers from kind of getting downhill, going at Capella. Any big, even one as good as Capella, is going to be challenged to avoid contact when there's that much momentum being carried by the ball handler to the rim. So, you know, we've talked, to, we don't have to rehash all of the point of attack defense they're missing and all that sort of stuff. Um, they need to be good enough um, at the point of attack and on the perimeter that Capella doesn't get set up to um, have to be in tough situations and, and become potentially in foul trouble. So that's the biggest thing to me. And then, um, you know, the they need to be disciplined kind of pulling in um, from the weak side and and being in a place where they can close back out on the spot-up shooters on the weak side. The Bucks shoot a lot of threes, uh, It's but strangely, it's like a lot of it is uh, attacking, you know, the weak side of the defense when they have to crash three defenders in the paint to try to have some hope of keeping Giannis out of it. Uh, but, you know, Middleton collapses them too. Drew collapses them in different ways than Bledsoe ever did. So it's not like it's just Giannis or, or anyone else. So, um, you know, can you do it with two bodies instead of three? Can you, that, that makes a big difference if you can pull that off. Um, but, uh, you know, hold up at the point of attack, keep Capella clean Give him a shot to an opportunity to affect shots at the rim. Um, know where you are on the weak side, and uh, every possession uh, is going to be challenging from an attention to detail standpoint. In that view, yeah, it seems so easy when you say it because you know there is a formula here. But uh, as you uh, certainly noted, there the point of attack, the point of attack defense is going to be a question mark. I guess on the on the bright side, the Bucks don't have that one guy who like collapses defenses off the dribble, other than Giannis. Um, that's, he's the guy who can do a little bit more of that, obviously, but their guards are, you know, Drew Holiday's a great player, but he's not someone who's going to just like dominate you at the point of attack uh, off the dribble. Um, and Chris Middleton is awesome, but he's not going to do that either. Um, on the flip side, being without all those guys and even Tony Snell, who I know you love, uh, and I, I do as well, um, even being without him in this game is a big thing because they, they don't have anybody to throw at Chris Milton. Um, not that Bogdanovich and Herter are terrible defenders because they're not, but neither one of those guys would be who you would design in a lab to guard Chris Milton. Um, and, you know, that's one guy, but you, you still have to guard him. And, uh, you know, he's uh, and behind them. As we talk, as we see in the last couple of games here, it's you know it's you go, you go to Scholar Maze basically. They don't they, they only have two wings right now, which is crazy to think about out loud, but they essentially only have two wing size players active at this moment. Um, I guess Solomon Hill could play um, a little bit more at the three if Gallinari was able to play in this game, but other than that, uh, they don't have a lot of options here. So not that we don't have to go, we, don't, we have to go through all the matchups in detail, but what would your plan be provided Giannis plays? Like what would the matchups be in your mind? Yeah, I so I think um, it would be Bogdanovich on Middleton, and you know he's not just the best bulk, at keeping. Basically. Yeah, just for bulk, and also I mean I think you want Middleton to try to put the ball on the floor, and not that I'm not saying he sucks at it, but well, you'd yes. rather him <laughs> definitely <laughs> right because um, he's methodical enough that you can get additional defenders engaged, like when he's attacking with the dribble, I think, and help. And Bogdanovich can get enough help that way. I think Herder on Drew uh, has to work. Uh, Drew is super physical, so that's not an awesome matchup, but. 
I think Herder is being challenged to, you know, almost by necessity to have to come along and be stronger and more physical and kind of deal with that. I, I thought the Toronto game was a good example because he was really getting pushed around by Trent, you know, in the first few minutes of the game. And then things kind of neutralized, you know, um, which I think I thought was a good sign there. Um, so those are the two. And then I assume DiVincenzo is the other starter and either Trey or Goodwin draws the matchup there. Clint uh, draws Brooke um, for obvious reasons. I know Brooke likes to stay in the perimeter a lot, or that's the perception anyway, but he does a lot at the rim too, and he's he's a beast on the offensive class. Even though the Bucks don't prioritize that, he still finds his opportunities, and that just leaves you with, <laughs> I guess, solo on Giannis, and, yeah. you know, which seems absurd from a size standpoint. But it almost doesn't matter because it takes a, your full defensive unit to have any hope of kind of keeping Giannis out of the paint and off the rim anyway. Um, now, bigger guys could maybe prevent catching the ball in his spots in some reasons. But, you know, even if they had Collins, Collins isn't going to do it. Even if they had Gallo, if they do have Gallo active, he's not he can't really move well enough. So I think it's I think you try to match up at all the other four positions and then realize it's going to take, you know, really cohesive team defense to affect Giannis. That, that's the way I would look at it. I I tend to agree. I, the only thing that I would throw out there, we talked about this a little bit in our, in our Slack channel today, um, maybe you try Capella on Giannis at some point and just see how that works. It, more so if if Solo just has no chance and Giannis has it going, uh, maybe you just try to make Giannis a jump shooter and put Capella on him. It's not That's not ideal anyway. Um, and I think Collins is by far the most natural, like physical fit to guard him. And he's not available in this game. Same with a Kongwu. Like he'd be the other guy you maybe want to throw at him, but you're not going to play him with Capella. And I don't know. There's no great matchups for Giannis. That's, that's kind of yeah. the, the top line yeah. thought here, but yeah, one, one, vi- one viable thing, if they are able, if Gallo can play when, um, Giannis and Lopez are on the floor together, you could cross match there. Gallo yep. could match up with Brooke and then you could switch off Capella to Giannis. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think you want to have Solomon Hill try to guard Brooke Lopez because I know Brooke Lopez is, is more of a jump shooter than he used to be, but he'll still beat you up in the post if you let him against a guy who's, what, 6'7", like Solo is. So yep. that'd, be, uh, that'd be tough. Uh, so, sure. I mean, it's it's doable. The Bucks, uh are very good offensively, and if Giannis plays, it's a tough matchup for sure, but I wanted to at least start there and, uh, you know, I'm not trying to paint too doomsday of a picture, but it's it's a tough matchup. <laughs> it seems it's, like. It, it's, it's tough. They have... You know, just just like like you said, they don't have guys that kill you apart from Giannis and Dribble to penetration, but they attack you with scheme, they attack you with technique, and they know what they're doing. They're well coached, um, and all of that. And you know, I, we I could like spit out their stats profile, and they're they're good in all the areas you want to be good in. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and the, and then apart from relying on uh, free throw shooting, uh, which is maybe intentional in terms of uh, kind of a build up towards the, the postseason. I don't, I don't know, but um, you know, it, they're good in, in all the areas that that's hard to cover as a defense. Yes, that's absolutely right. All right. All right. Before we get to the other side of the floor and that's coming momentarily, a word from our sponsors on the podcast, first of which is betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football is not happening right now, and I understand that's a lot of people's favorite thing to bet on in the sports world, but there are plenty of other options, including the NBA, of course. You have the NHL, auto racing, golf, tennis, MMA, college sports, everything you can imagine you can find it at BetOnline.ag. And BetOnline even covers awards, entertainment bets, TV shows, and reality TV. 
BetOnline also has real-time updated odds and all kinds of props on almost anything you can imagine. Props are really fun to get into the sports betting world if you've not tried it before. And on top of that, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and the odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website now at betonline.ag or use mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. That is 50% and a welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Glenn, let's talk about the Hawks' offense against the Bucks' defense. This is the more interesting, at least casual, uh, side of the floor because the Hawks are an offense first team. The Bucks are really good defensively. Um, you know, we're, we're all hoping Trey Young plays. Uh, let, let's just say that. Obviously, it's a, di- a different matchup if Trey's not available. So I'm going to kind of assume he is playing for this discussion. If he doesn't, we'll uh, adjust. But um, Milwaukee, same sort of thing. They're really good defensively almost everywhere. Uh, the one thing I wanted to point out first is that the Hawks are so good at getting into the free throw line this year. They're number two in the league, I believe, in free throw, free throw creation rate. And the Bucks are number one in the league in preventing free throws. So that is an area that I have circled uh, as a uh, not quite the X's and O's guy that you are, but uh, am I crazy here? Or is that a, bit, a big pivot point in this game? It's crazy how good they are defending without fouling. I mean, it's 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 Bud, it's, man. This is what Bud did that in Atlanta. It was the same thing. They're different personnel, but like they just right. he, they don't foul. It's that, it's that Spurs tree. Same thing. Popovich, the Spurs never foul, and it's just what they do. Yeah, and and, and it, it reminds you like why Bud loved having guys like Horford, Millsap, so much interior defenders that can defend without fouling and it's it's kind of a similar approach you know he's Giannis used to when he was younger used to be a, a kind of a at times a foul prone guy but you yep. know they really drill um you know technique in terms of you know what which hand you use to resist the ball handler with the te- I mean I don't want to you know try to break it all down verbally but you know <laughs> their, their their technique is almost perfect across the board and then the, the thing they're doing better this year, I think, is they're closing out on sh- jump shooters without fouling jump shooters like ever, which which is hard to do. And uh, I think if you have any young players playing at all, but I guess they've had enough time with DiVincenzo. They're not really playing any other real young guys at this point, apart from, you know, games where like four guys are sitting or what have you. So, um, you know, they... On, if you watch them play, all of their defenders are dropped at least one step toward the paint, all the off-ball defenders, and then as soon as the ball even threatens the paint, there's like four bodies in there right away. So they do everything they can to keep you off the rim. And of course, we know the Hawks are awesome in the high pick and roll, getting Capella, you know, diving to the rim. Uh, Kongu has that ability. We've seen a little more of that uh, recently. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see for me, one of the most things I'm watching most closely is do they – for sure they will try to start the game attacking the rim because you have to make the Bucks prove that they can do that against, especially like a Trey and Capella um, pick and roll. But then the Hawks have become so good at different ways to kind of use, you know, screens um, to create three point shots. And that's sort of the Achilles heels uh, of, of the Bucks. Um, and, and so if the Hawks can get a little bit working at the rim and then use that to create shots at the three-point line, especially for their better three-point shooters, then that's a formula that might get them in the range of like 115 points or whatever it feels like they're going to have to have a chance to win the game. Um, so really early, it's like, can they get shots at the rim? And um, and that'll the Bucks are one of the te- best teams in the league at not allowing that. They really commit like all of their defensive resources to that 
like exclusive priority and then they cover everything else as best they can. So that'll be fascinating to see. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think longtime Hawks observers will remember this from the, from the Bud era, but uh, you, you referenced it there. Three point, three point defense is the potential weakness of the Bucks. They allow 39 three point attempts per game, which is third most in the league. So, and when you do that in the NBA, there'll be nights when you just, you just get barraged. And, you, and that's been the question about Bud's defenses, uh, one of them at least, the, probably the biggest one, even dating back to Atlanta. Obviously, famously, they couldn't stop the cash from making threes in a couple of big series. And um, they're just the math game is correct on this. You, uh, as, a, as a defense, you want to give up, you know, they're, they're basically playing a very, very smart math defense. But on a night where the, the opposition's hitting their shots, it becomes uh, sort of perilous. And the Hawks are hot right now. Like, will that continue? We'll see. But they have been pretty much scalding from three for the last, I don't know, few weeks even. And that's sort of helped them paper over some of the absences that they've had. Um, I don't want to make this, it's not quite this simple, but I think the Hawks probably need to shoot the ball well to win on Thursday. Um, just from three-point range, just because of the numbers game that you have to account for. I don't think the Hawks are going to suddenly be able to, you know, generate, 60 points in the paint against the Bucks. That doesn't seem likely to me. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what actions that they've been running the run. So they've been, since the coaching change, they've gotten really invested in f- floppy and, and other actions that are centered around off-ball screens. Um, and that just doesn't feel like what it's going to, just going to give them what they want. They need some punch like attacking the heart of the defense and then creating kickout opportunities to get those shots. I don't think those off ball screens are really going to kind of give them that. So, but, but they've been, you know, relying on a heavy uh, dose of things like a floppy and other actions like that. And, and so, you know, going into this game, you know, Nate is not, you know, famous for kind of being flexible game to game in terms of kind of what he asks his teams to do. But, you know, from an X and O standpoint, I'm fascinated to see if they run like 80%, you know, pick and roll and kind of get away from some of the other things they've been doing that has set Bogdanovich up well and has set Gallo up well. Um, so, it, you know, that'll be fascin- fascinating to see. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, one other area that I circled is that the Bucks are elite on the defensive glass and the Hawks have really good numbers for the full season on the offensive glass, mostly with Capella but not quite as good without Collins. So that's an area where the Hawks have excelled this year on sort of on the whole, but they're not quite as dynamic on the glass offensively when they're playing Solomon Hill at the four versus Collins or even Gallinari, who's not exactly the biggest, you know, offensive rebounding threat from the four. So uh, I'm not sure you can rely on second chance, second chance opportunities either. Capella is going to always get some because he's so good on the offensive glass, but it might just be him and that helps you, but it's not quite the uh, weapon that you might normally see. Yeah, and there's there's some um, sort of secondary and tertiary impact from that because I think the Hawks have to decide do they even want to try to chase offensive rebounds because Bucks are fourth in fast break points and even outside of fast breaks or in or transition the Bucks really look to attack early in the shot clock they'll they'll hunt for a shot like in the first six seconds of the shot clock and then if they don't get that they'll kind of pull out and run some more of their you know more deliberate stuff um, but I think they're like third third in pace or second they're really high in pace because of how early they get in the shot clock so they challenge you in transition defense too and that is very much connected to the strategy you choose to pursue in your own offensive class so there's some there's some interesting coaching decisions to make in that area that you you talked about there too yeah i guess one uh one final hedge 
question I want to ask you is basically, does the strategy change at all based on whether Trey plays? And that seems like a stupid question because Trey's obviously uh, the centerpiece of their offense when he plays. But what changes whether he's in or not because he's still questionable as of tonight? Yeah, so I mean, I think it goes back to I think that uh, forces them to probably not start with a high screen and roll. Um, when with Bogdanovich and Lou being their primary initiators, especially when um, Goodwin's on the court, um, um, not that they're not letting Goodwin create at all, but they're definitely prioritizing. They run more of um, what they call their stack set, which gives Lou and Bogdanovich a chance to run more side pick and roll, which is a completely different way to attack the Bucks, um, Bucks defense. So I think it is. I think the main thing we'll see is just the high pick and roll move from the middle of the floor to the side. And then the Hawks love to try to clear out the baseline side with let the big roll towards that baseline, which which does attack sort of a Bucks weakness there because of how much they stack the paint. It kind of clears out that clears out that baseline. So if Trey doesn't play, just look for more side pick and roll, less high pick and roll, unless when Lou's in, Lou can do both really well. Bogdanovich has a really strong preference for running it on the side. Yeah, and you know Bogdanovich has been so hot recently, and that's also sort of the uh, a subplot to the subplot is the uh, the whole Bogdanovich Bucks thing, which is uh, sort of a casual uh, right. outside thing where he was uh, that was a famous scandal over the off season, and uh, they have played against the Bucks once this year, but uh, two games in the next ten days against Milwaukee because the, the Bucks come back next Sunday. So uh, yeah, one other note I had just to throw it out there is the coaching staff also has decided they've been doing a lot of switching, especially when the Congo's been at the five. And if you watch the Bucks, when they attack in isolation, which is kind of an anti-bud thing, but if you switch, they will attack this much as an isolation. And the Hawks may decide that's what they want to try to get the Bucks to do. Mm-hmm. So also, if their listeners are watching, you know, or do they switch from the start, which is something they really haven't been doing from the start? Or do they switch when a Kongu comes in for Capella? And if so, does, do the Bucks get into more ISO action? And does that help the Hawks kind of um, give something that's a little bit easier maybe to work with? So that's another thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, that's fascinated me as well. Like, it it does make all the sense in the world, but especially, I think, on Tuesday, it was very clear, I think you noted as well, that... uh, they, they just were going to switch with, with with the Kongwu and not with Capella, and they're just kind of playing different schemes with those guys, which, again, makes sense because they're just different players right now, especially, and I just thought that was an interesting... I wonder if that's like going to be a, a permanent thing, that they just like kind of run different schemes based on the center, which is... It's doable, but it's just interesting to me. Yeah, it, it, very interesting, and then that, that also relates back to can they get Hunter back where they get a little bit more at the point of attack? I think that's Heft. all kind of connected. Yeah. But in, in, this, in this game, I think they probably start without switching, but look to maybe go to a switching, um, switch switch up to a switching-based approach if they want to kind of draw Milwaukee into a different thing like the isolation action, maybe. Yeah, I mean, and sort of as we rewrap up the, the Bucks preview, I, I mean, I'm hoping, I think everyone is probably hoping this, but I really hope we see these two teams at, like, reasonable strength. Obviously, the Hawks are still going to be down a bunch of guys. They're not going to have Hunter. They're not going to have Collins. But I hope Trey and Gallo play. I hope Giannis plays just to see these teams. Because, you know, I mentioned this earlier before I brought you in, but the last game between the Hawks and the Bucks this year um, did not have really any of the current dynamics in play. Uh, The Hawks didn't have Trey or Capella in that game, but they also had Hunter, Collins, Rondo, and Reddish that all played. So it's like a completely different roster, (laughs) Um, (laughs) even from like two months ago. So we learned nothing basically from that game. Um, And the Hawks have kind of struggled against the Bucks in the recent past. Obviously the Hawks were pretty bad before the season. So that's kind of an asterisk, but 
I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, making predictions is so hard because we just don't know who's going to play. Uh, you know, the Hawks have... I'm pretty sure the Hawks will be underdogs in this game unless Giannis doesn't play. Um, and even then, I think the scenario where the Hawks are a betting favorite in this game at tip-off is basically Trey and Gallo both play and Giannis sits. That's about the only way that I can see it, honestly. The Hawks can still win regardless. I'm just saying actually being the favorite at tip-off. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it'd take a lot to put the Hawks um, across the line to, to being the favorite in this game. But, um, you know, it... I, I'm like you. Got my fingers crossed that everybody plays, and we get a good game. That would be that would be fun. Uh, before I let you get out of here, Glenn, uh, I guess my my question. And I know you've been talking to good friend of the podcast, Kevin Shard, about this on on uh, ATL on Twenty Nine, my my hated rival podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I guess my last question is like, how are you feeling about the Hawks right now? Because they've been they've been so hot for so long, and I feel like there's and this is it's well founded. There's a lot of optimism right now in what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing on Twitter, and the the team seems like they're in great spirits. They're just kind of feeling it right now. Um, is that warranted? Like, can the Hawks hold on to the four, Steve? Like, where are you right now with the Hawks team the rest of the way? Yeah, um, I guess if you you know force me to answer, I feel like the four seed is a realistic goal. I just 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 a few, it feels like they'll need a little help probably to make that happen, just because even like when I watched Boston play last night, they just look like a team that is determined to kind of break upward in the standings, and when they have Kemba, Tatum, and Brown, there's a lot to cover there. Now I know Hawks fans might like think back to Hawks Celtics. Uh, you know, games this year and be like, well, they, I wasn't that impressed. Well, the Hawks are uniquely capable of killing teams that have no rim protection. <laughs> so the Hawks would be a great, conceivably a great matchup from that standpoint if they were to like get, you know, set up with the Celtics in a four or five type series and stuff. But the Celtics are a really tough offensive uh, or, you know, challenge two defenses in, in a way that few teams can really get put that together when those three guys are all playing and clicking. Um, I mean, the Heat. I have. I'm just confused about you know the games they win and the games they lose. So they are baffling. Um, but, really, they're they're yeah, truly baffling the, this year. <laughs> they are. They're like the opposite. Yeah, it's it's strange. They're kind of like the, every time I turn on the Hornets, no matter who they're playing, they're either ahead or barely behind. They almost won that game last night. Um, and and so you know, I guess I feel like I've right now based upon what I'm seeing in teams, Boston seems like they're the biggest threat to get to four. And then I think Miami will – my guess would be Miami would have to win that next head-to-head game with, with the Hawks to to kind of get a leg up. So those that head-to-head matchup is going to be huge. Um, and But the Hawks have the tiebreaker on Boston, which could come in, in, into play there. So I think it's realistic. And then I think if they can either get four or five, they're going to have a chance to show what they can do in the playoffs. Um, I Under McMillan, they've been a steadier team yep. and a more composed team. And, and, I, and I think that – what I see tells me the vets are buying a little bit more right now than maybe they were earlier in the season for whatever reason. Totally different conversation I don't usually want to have. <laughs> but but they just there, there seems to be a lot more confidence in kind of what they're taking into each game, even when they're missing, you know, really key guys. Um, now, if they get into a playoff environment, when they get into a playoff environment, I'll put it that way. I'm confident about that. Yeah. Um, they're gonna get. They'll get. Uh, they'll take a punch at some point that's completely different than anything else they've ever had in a regular season, and that's what I think we'll learn a lot about kind of what the team right now is in that context. Um, will they really come back and like fight hard and push? You know to try to kind of match that, or will they be like, "What is going on? <laughs> if this is new. I don't. You know, will, will they find their footing?" And 
you know, sometimes you see that happen and like a team will right away, like kind of bounce back and try to push back. Cause sometimes it takes to like game three and then they'll show it in game three and four, but then basically the series is not reco- truly recoverable. And so I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm excited for the possibility they get to four, if not four, get into a four or five matchup. So they're not facing one of the, you know, three obvious, you know, best teams in the conference. Um, and then, you know, getting into a second round, I know Hawks fans want to be excited. Why not? Fans can be excited. That's okay. That's allowed. I would not be so enthusiastic about a possible win, but the learning opportunity and the, and the ability to kind of experience, you know, the thing that they're going to want to try to, you know, succeed through, you know, succeed in and pushing toward past the first round as Trey gets into year four or year five, they build around him. There's just so much, you know, value in going through that experience. So, you know, my hope that they could get maybe get a win in the first round would um, be so rich in experiential learning for them. That's that's what I'm hoping for. So I, I'm feeling good, but I'm also realistic about the fact that this would all be new challenges for them. And that that tends to be hard. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. Uh, we're obviously it's been a while since any of us have covered uh, playoff caliber basketball, which has been fun. Uh, so we'll see. But I hope they get healthy. That's the biggest thing. I mean, I'm just going to be so interested to see how they sort of reintegrate pieces. Uh, not so much John Collins. He's, you know, he's been back semi-recently. But DeAndre Hunter's been out for so long. And all these questions about when they're going to have guys back. And uh, as I'm sure you have seen, uh, basically every everybody that covers the Hawks uh, has their mentions filled every single day with questions about when guys are going to come back. And we just have to shrug and hope for the best. But it's all coming. Yes, and it, it's gonna. I think it's gonna be fun and compelling, almost regardless of what happens, uh, barring some sort of disaster that gets them into a playoff, which would be um, not where we all want to see them land, and, and they, would, they would have missed an opportunity, um, and then that would have other impacts to people that cover the team. I just say it generally. <laughs> so we will hope for better than that. Yeah. Oh well. Thank you, uh, Glenn, for helping me preview this. Uh... Very interesting basketball game that's going to be happening, again, on national TV on Thursday. I am obliged to point out that there is local radio if you want to have the local voices. But Bob Rathman has the night, has the night off. I'm, I'm sure Bob listen, Bob's listening to this. Bob, enjoy your night off. Just watch basketball. It's fine. Um, but thank you, Glenn, for joining me, man. Uh, if, if you have anything to plug, please do. I know you are always active, and your Twitter feed is a absolute must for Hawks fans. I'll just say that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Just you know, follow my writing at Peace Free Hoops and you know, find me on Twitter if you like. Uh, X's and O's, um, you know, that tends to be the content I put out there. And, you know, I've filled questions too. So if you have questions about what you're seeing, I'm generally, you know, I have a like 100% hit rate on responding to things as long as they're not, you know, completely ludicrous. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we all try to interact as much as possible. But thank you, sir. I will beg you to come back at another time, I'm sure. And I'm, sh- I'm also positive that you can be found on ATL 29 in the near future because Kevin smartly asked you to come on the podcast on a regular basis. So he's the. F- Oh, so, yeah. uh, uh, Kevin. Uh, all right. Well, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. We'll be back again with a recap podcast to follow Hawks Bucks on Thursday, and we'll see you next time.